Alistair Ramsey and I mull over the April Tinwald sitting and consider what were the highlights. The independent inquiry on COVID, banks trying to charge for charity accounts, and is Chris Thomas the new thorn in government's side? That's all on the Agenda podcast with me, Phil Gorn, Manx Radio's very own political inquisitor. Will our ministers be prepared to make bold decisions or will the cautious advice of civil servants smother their enthusiasm? Alistair Ramsey, a few weeks ago we had you on the Perspective programme and we were discussing the forthcoming Tinwald agenda. Um, I said that we'd have you back because uh, we should uh, find out how did Tinwald actually go. Um, so, so, so what were the highlights as far as you could see in, in relation to the order paper? Uh, were your predictions proved correct? Well, my... My main prediction was that the the uh, Tim Glover's motion on bank charges for charities would be amended and considerably softened by the government side, and that proved to be the case. The Treasury amendment was was carried. Uh, Tim wanted that Timble to instruct the government to bring forward uh, new laws to stop banks from imposing charges on charities. Um, it ended up with. Um, a far softer form of words from the Treasury, um, which merely recognises the ongoing work that government's doing to ensure fair banking for charities and philanthropic organisations. So the the, um, rather dramatic and bold wording was diluted, as we we thought it would be. And and interestingly, um, it wasn't... The wording wasn't challenged by any of the, the government side speakers... Um, and I suppose that's a clever ruse on their part because they don't want to say, well, I don't think you can do this because then they could end up in a, a row with the clerk of Tinwald's office. Yes. Um, but it certainly it's, it was unique in my experience that Tinwald instructs yeah. the government to do something. Yes, I don't, uh, su- I don't suppose any minister wants to turn to the backbenches and say, you can't instruct us to do anything because that's just inviting somebody to prove a point, isn't it? Indeed, indeed. And, uh, you know, constitutional uh, battles are, are not something yeah. that should be courted unless absolutely necessary. No, no. One of the things that I, I did um, notice um, or look at in, in, in some detail was the, the Treasury Minister's statement on the financial situation. Um, and some of that was review. A lot of that was reviewing what we already know, that um, there's a perfect st- storm of pressures on the economy and... Uh, cost of living, inflation, which is expected to reach as high as 10% later that, this year. That's, that's a really quite disturbing figure, isn't it, uh, it is. 10%? Yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, the politicians are fond of saying we face unprecedented challenges, but I think it's definitely true in this situation, and I think all of us who are a bit more senior can't remember anything quite this drastic. I don't think this convergence of... Pressures. I think it's going back to the 1970s, really, yeah. isn't it? Uh, oh, when, when inflation was was really uh, skyrocketing. That, that recent. Yeah. 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 Um, and and what you know, ultimately, what what's what's the big deal about inflation being as as high as that? I mean, how is that going to affect most people? Well, it's just the the cost of living, um, the, especially in this case, energy costs. 
if you, a lot of households are, are on very, very thin margins, or in some cases, no margin at all. I mean, a lot of people live hand to mouth. It, I, you know, anyone who's got a family knows that. Um, and a, any government attempts to help are, are, are overtaken by this kind of accelerating inflationary pressure. And I suppose government's attempt, attempt to help uh, almost pour fuel on the on the uh, the the runaway inflation too because uh, quite clearly it adds uh, you know additional pressures onto the onto the economy by by increasing benefits and increasing this that and the other i mean imagine if at the the, the month in which benefits are set um, benefits uh, they, they they pick a particular month of it's the year. September, don't they? I think. Yeah. yeah, and and if inflation is at ten percent, there ten percent increase on benefits is, would be a massive yeah. impact on particularly the national insurance fund, uh, which we heard on last week's show from uh, Chris Thomas uh, is is being uh, chipped away at from time to time uh, by by the government. You know, indeed, and this is one of the points that the Treasury Minister was making, as you'd expect a Treasury Minister to do, was that the government finances are also under pressure. Um, they're a major energy user in their own right. Um, um, the value of their reserves is down. They've got a lot of upward pressure on their wage bill. Um, and the measures that they've announced so far, um, I think, in terms of their special extra benefits, um are nearly six million pounds worth. They've also lost uh, about two million pounds on fuel duty reductions. So they're already eight million pounds down just in in that area. So he was, uh, what I was also interested in was that he made the point that the pressures were so great that any increase in income tax would not make much difference. And I thought it was interesting that he kind of went out of his way to, to rule that out. Um, it's, it's always been the, the, the case, I think, Isle of Man government have been loath to look at headline rates of income tax as a, as a uh, potential filler for economic woes. Um, I, I can't remember now what the figure is for, for each percent, but it's, it's uh, each percent increase in, in, in um, income taxes. It's, it's, not a, it's not a huge amount it, uh, in, no. in terms of millions that come back. It doesn't make, it doesn't make a massive difference unless you did something quite mm. drastic. And, and then, then the it, argument against is if you do do something uh, uh, quite uh, dramatic or dra- drastic, as you say, uh, then you, chances are you may stall the economy be, because people will have less income available to them. Yeah. And, and at a time when pockets are being squeezed anyway with yeah. uh, runaway inflation, the last thing you need to do is, 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 is whack up uh, taxes as yeah. well. I mean, you're adding to the pain on households and businesses. But what I thought was interesting was towards the end of his statement, um, the Treasury Minister said that all departments would, would, would have cost improvement programmes to try and mitigate the, the impact on their own budgets. But also, and this will take us back a few years, um, would look at increasing fees and charges where these would not impact on low income groups. Now, this is precisely the problems that previous governments have got into with stealth charges. And I think if, okay, if the squeezed middle, so-called, um, ordinary kind of middle-ranking people, if they think that government is sneaking in these 
kind of increases in fees and charges, the, the stealth tax issue, whilst it's perceived to be growing and growing, I mean, we've had more headlines about, you know, 300 more public, you know, government workers in the last year. I think there'll be a fairly angry reaction, and I think the government might be advised that putting up those fees and charges is more trouble than it's worth. Because in a way, the minister's uh, statement there is a bit of an oxymoron in in as much as, by their very definition, these stealth taxes, the the increased charges, affect most people, um, whether they have low incomes or whether they Mm. have high incomes, and they affect them in exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, which is a, a, a wholly non-progressive, uh, taxing effectively everybody the same mm. amount, uh, whether they are multi-billionaires or, uh, or really struggling to, to, to put uh, mm. food on the table. I, I was puzzled by that because having ruled out income tax increases, basically because that would just add to people's pain, you then look at increasing fees and charges, which are perceived as other forms of tax, albeit that you're trying to avoid harming low-income groups. I think... They're going to get a lot of trouble if they go down that road. Yes, it's it's trying to burn the candle both ends a yeah. little, isn't it? Uh, you know, again, the minister has been on uh, this program saying that uh, he he he's concerned about the the future for for business on the island, particularly with all the increased costs, mm. uh, increased inflation. Uh, no doubt there'll be increases in in, in pressures for for wage settlements. Um, so he's already acknowledged that. So. It can't be then increasing charges for businesses, uh, you would think. So uh, you wonder who uh, Mm. the increased charges are going to uh, affect. I don't think they could get away with passing on costs to the public unless they're visibly taking some pain internally at the same time. Yes, and and, and I suppose the the, the problem uh, government has there is is the pain has been being inflicted upon departments. It may not be obvious to the public, but Mm. it's certainly obvious to anyone working in departments. Certainly if anyone's been working in the Department of Government over the last, probably the last 15 years now, uh, they will have seen uh, the, the times of plenty when perhaps it was reasonable to throw the charge at government that money was being squandered. Um, you know, the, the budgets have been cut. The the work of maybe three or four people is now being done mm. by one, uh, and it's difficult to see where easy cuts can be made, particularly at a time when they're talking. Well, if they, they're talking about funding the underfund in the health budget, they're talking about. Uh, well, the teachers are, are, are saying that their salaries have have diminished as a, a general proportion uh, compared with other other. Uh, trades in in, in the, the Manx economy, uh, so so the pressures are there. But the big spenders are education and uh, uh, health and social care, and if you you've, you've already committed to putting health and social care budgets up, and uh, you're in dispute with the the teachers uh, in relation to a significant increase in pay, um, yeah, who, who's going to get get the, the the hit the next biggest spending department of course is the department of infrastructure which clearly according to most people and and i think the minister's on board with this is uh, is struggling as it is to maintain mm. the infrastructure we've got and yet we get headlines about 300 more government workers there's perception that the size of government is growing and growing especially around the cabinet office fairly or unfairly that's perceived to be a kind of 
top-heavy bureaucracy there. Um, yes, it is suggested that this is the the backdoor way of, of uh, introducing the, the single entity government that uh, many politicians have talked about for mm. some time. Um, actually, if you bring everything into the cabinet office, eventually you make a single entity uh, for, for, for government. Um, but perhaps that's un- unfair. Yes, I think that would be a spectacularly clumsy way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> which, <laughs> which then doesn't reel it out, does it? <laughs> no, indeed not. One of the, 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 the things that we, we were pretty confident would go through reasonably uh, without uh, much uh, debate or concern was the inquiry, the independent inquiry into the government's handling of COVID uh, over the course of the last uh, two or three years. Um, that, 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 you know, our prediction, I think, on that one was correct. Uh, the debate was, was relatively short. Uh, there wasn't much by way of challenge. Um, Mr. Speaker, in his um, remarks, mentioned that the um, there was a little bit of a concern about the appointment of the chair, and I think this was something that we'd picked up on as well, as to how can you have an independent chair that's picked by a Council of Ministers, uh, and it does appear as though a political panel, potentially involving ministers and the Public Accounts Committee um, may well be the, the way in which this is to be chosen, this, the, this, this uh, independent chair. The Chief Minister is, was actually said in, in, in the debate, and of course, just because we pick the person doesn't mean that they are beholden unto us in any way. They, they will then, once they've been picked, be able to act wholly mm. independently. And I on the one hand, I suppose he's right, uh, but on the other hand, uh, perception is, is, is quite important. And if you pick a particular person because you believe that particular person is likely to find in your favour, um, then you are influencing the independent inquiry. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The perception is, is so important here. And you've got to remember that some current members of the Council of Ministers will be under scrutiny by this review. So it's important that they aren't seen to have sole jurisdiction over the appointment and that this whole exercise so far has been an interesting joint enterprise between the parliamentary side and the Council of Ministers side. So you would expect that that job of finding the right person would be also a joint panel rather than just the ministers. If they insisted on keeping it to themselves, I think that would be quite short-sighted and could backfire on them. And the reason, of course, this matters is, um, you know, government have made decisions. Uh, I think many people in the Isle of Man believe government, on the whole, handled the the whole COVID situation uh, very well. However, um, people died. Um, uh, People have lost loved ones and been unable to visit them uh, in in care homes or in hospital settings. People have, businesses have lost money. Some businesses, no doubt, will have gone out of business as, as a result of the restrictions put in place. So it is really important that it is an independent inquiry. Absolutely. And there's a tendency for people to see these things as kind of witch hunts or, you know, what's the point of going over the old ground? But for a community to go through the trauma that we've been through and like our communities around the world... 
without then learning the lessons of that experience and actually kind of capturing those so that in the future when something similar happens you're at least a little bit better prepared would be unthinkable I think and it's it is about learning the lessons if you have to criticize some decisions along the way yes you know you can understand that people were in an unprecedented situation they were under a lot of pressure but I think you do need an honest appraisal um, of what worked what didn't work and of course the the other reason for all of this is something like this could happen again and if there are obvious lessons to be learned uh, obvious areas that could have been improved upon um, better to to learn those lessons in advance of of something similar having to happen in the future yeah absolutely one of the other items on the order paper was uh, one from Joni Farragher in relation to government effectively establishing an adequate policy in relation to refugees. Um, how did that motion go? Well, it, it, it succeeded largely. It was amended by the Cabinet Office Minister, Kate Lord Brennan, who just built on it really to say that this um, exercise should take account of the experience they've had in dealing with Ukrainian refugees, but also put the deadline for the report back to July 2023. Joni's uh, deadline was a quite ambitious July this year, and it is a big subject. It's very complex. When you think that uh, only a couple of years ago we were told that the Isle of Man couldn't have its own scheme for refugees... Um, there's a lot of international and, and, and legal complication around this. So um, it'll be very, in- very interesting to see what they come up with. Yes, and, and uh, I understand the minister um, responsible, Kate Lord Brennan, uh, did seem to I- imply that uh, the, um, the situation with the Ukrainian refugees was resolved in, in relatively swift time um, com- compared to perhaps uh, other countries. Um, and um, you know we we have Ukrainian refugees uh, on, yeah. on the island. I have to say, I was I was quite impressed to see um, the minister down there in London talking to various ambassadors and people, and kind of getting stuck in um, and not being deterred by the, the very considerable bureaucratic obstacles that must be in the way of doing something like this. So I think that was. That was pretty impressive. Absolutely, and and, and something, um, if, if ministers happen to be listening in, uh, I would hope that they would do more of, because actually the, the one of the, the great benefits of the Isle of Man is our scale and our ability to move swiftly. Yeah. This is what we keep being told by government. And, uh, you know, we are um, a crown dependency, yes, but we are not part of the United Kingdom, and we have the ability to, to move on, on international matters uh, if uh, we so choose. And sometimes politicians have to take the bull by the horns and not be put off by the kind of cautious civil service and legal advice, which is necessary, but politics is kind of a step beyond that. Absolutely. I think sometimes politicians do get drawn into the, 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 the general um, malaise, which is uh, civil service cautious advice, um, mm. Obviously, this is what civil servants are supposed to do. Uh, yeah. They are supposed to provide you with this is what would happen if if all this goes wrong. Um, mm. But ultimately, 
we elect politicians to provide leadership, political leadership yeah. for the island, and uh, making bold decisions um, uh, is what min ministers are yeah. expected to but do. It, do, it does require a bit of confidence to do that, and, and uh, given that the, 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 these, some of these ministers aren't that experienced as, as ministers, I, you know, they, they seem to have had that confidence. One of the things, uh, and I spoke to Tim Glover about this uh, on last week's Perspective uh, programme, um, the, the, the thing that particularly I noticed about the order paper was how light it was on government business. Uh, you know, we are now approaching the end of the first uh, year of this administration. Um, there are, so we're 20% through. There's been hardly any bills uh, passed, mm. although I, I noticed the health minister trying to rush one through uh, uh, tomorrow. Um, but the, very little by way of... This is us now in, enacting the, the, the policy decisions that we've announced in our island plan. Maybe it's a bit early for, for that, but you would have thought that uh, hitting the ground running would have been part of the strong leadership which is being offered uh, by the current chief minister. Mm. I think there are limits, realistically, to, to how soon you can hit the ground running. I mean, it sounds good, but, you know, you've got to work out where you're going first. And having said that, I think the new regime's approach is is to create a kind of new architecture of government and various new committees and structures and processes. So they may still be kind of moving the furniture around. Uh, the danger is that they spend most of their term doing that. Also, in fairness, they've had almost a crisis to deal with. I mean, it is a crisis with the cost of living. They're, you've still got the, the, the coming out of COVID, um, tremendous pressures on, on the economy and on households. So I think I think the Council of Ministers will have been pretty busy dealing with those challenges. And I suppose the final thing about this uh, this uh, Tinwald just gone, this month's Tinwald, is um, the the interesting forays into, into uh, political aggression, perhaps, by uh, uh, former Minister Chris Thomas, um, obviously not made a minister this time round, appointed to to be chair of a board which then turns out perhaps to be a collection of, of individuals without very much power or, or, or budget. Um, do you think uh, Chris Thomas is starting to, to uh, become a thorn in the side of the government? That is a very interesting question. I mean, it m maybe that's why this arrangement was was contrived in the first place I, I i don't know i mean it's interesting that he's he's in charge or he's the head of a very important policy area and it's probably one of the biggest issues to come out of the last election and that they've they've outsourced that to what looks like an old-fashioned board um the status of which I, i'm still not entirely clear about um does Chris come up with some quite radical proposals which are then lost in the Council of Ministers? To, I, I mean, it's it's curious, but it also gives him that that freedom to be kind of in government and also outside it. Yes, it's certainly one uh, I will be watching over the course of the, uh, the next uh, two or three uh, ten months, particularly the, the question papers, I think. Yeah.
That was Alistair Ramsey helping us understand the big political decisions Tynwald was taking on your behalf. Please get in touch with Phil Gorn at thanksradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the programme. But, for now, I'm Phil Gorn, Guramayu, thanks for listening. <laughs>